Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Let me bring you up to speed this morning where we left off. Jesus had just died an excruciating, painful death on a Roman cross. We didn't have the word excruciating up until this point, and you can imagine. I want you for a moment to think of the most excruciating pain you've ever had and think about Jesus on the cross. See, for me, I'll never forget it. I was in back pain one time, and, and I had a friend of mine do some, some, some things to it, and it actually made it worse. It loosened up the muscle, and it made it worse, and it pulled that... And I'll never forget this. Now, to some people, that's not a big deal, but I remember I tried walking, and my back hurt so bad that I actually blacked out. And I remember I could hear sounds around me, but that's, that's about the closest of excruciating that I felt, where you're almost ready to black out. Jesus is on the cross with excruciating, excruciating pain. And if that wasn't enough, if you recall, right before Jesus, right before he was on the cross, he was actually scourged. Do you remember what that entailed? A cat of nine tails ripping the flesh off the back of my saviors. How many times? 39. If you recall, the way the Romans did this is that they bent him over. They were trying to get a confession. They were trying to, well, if it's, if if we're not going to get a confession and we know that he's going to the cross, well, let's try to kill him right here. Save us some time. And so what they would do is they would whip him very, very hard in hopes that he would confess. And if he did confess, they would lighten up a little bit. And if he confessed everyone who was with him, they would lighten up a little bit. Well, Jesus had nothing to confess. So 39 times, as hard as they could, bone and glass ripping the flesh off. That's what they did to our Jesus. If that wasn't enough, they brought him to the praetorium. And if you recall, Pilate pronounced him not guilty. He's not guilty. He's not guilty of anything. And yet, more that Pilate pronounced not guilty, guess what? The crowd yelled, crucify him! Crucify him! And you're just going, wow. And there stood my Jesus, guys, in a purple robe that was now soaked in blood. A crown of thorns was pushed on his head, couldn't go through the skull, but it pierced his, oh, everything about him, shoved down. Think about this. His beard was pulled out from his face. The mission, his mission, was the cross. So they said, well, that's not enough. You see, because we want to make a spectacle of him. So they made him carry a hundred-pound crossbeam down the Via Della Rosa on the way to Calvary, or the place of the skull. And when he got there, they placed the crossbeam on the pole, and they crucified our Jesus. Do you remember? They took nails, and they, and they, and they pierced him. And they nailed him to a cross. Nailed him to a cross. And if you recall, last week we learned that Jesus died of a broken heart. How so? Well, when he was on the cross... One nail, two up. He would pull up just to get enough breath and then go down. Eventually, his heart exploded. And when the soldier came and stabbed him to make sure he was dead, blood and water flowed. 
There's usually not water in your heart unless your heart explodes. How did Jesus die? He died of a broken heart. He died of a broken heart. It was the day that God died. And at that moment, we discovered the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. What did that mean? It gave us access to God. You see, you understand that today when you close your eyes and you bow your head and through faith you pray to God, that's the access that you have. You can be in the throne room right now. We no longer had to go through religious rituals to hear from God. We can go directly to his throne room. And so this is the day that God had died. Jesus is there on the cross. And what did he say when he was on the cross? Lama, lama, sabachthani. Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus died. So this week we come and guess what? Jesus is dead on the cross. We know it's Passover. Passover's coming quickly. From 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock, Jesus was on the cross. He died at 3 o'clock, but Passover starts at 6. Okay? Now think about it. God's grace and mercy, the sins of the world on Jesus for six hours was on the cross. But do you realize that the longest time somebody was on the cross was 13 days? 13 days just trying to survive. Well, it's Passover, so guess what? They wanted to bury him as soon as possible. So, this is where we're at. Now, this morning, our focus is going to really take a little bit of a turn. You go, how so? The Lord just brought something out with two fellas. If you're taking note, it's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus. You go, wow, okay. So, Turn to John 19. We're going to come back to Matthew, but I want to set the stage. Do you guys remember Nicodemus? We call him Nick at night, okay? Because Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Do you remember the dialogue? He was a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus, didn't want anybody to see him, sort of by stealth, and said, hey, you know, what? how, how, do, I, how do I go to heaven? And, and Jesus, in John chapter 3, gives him all, hey, you need to be born again, and he goes, well, how can I be born again? I'm old. I can't go back. Jesus said, what's born? And you guys know the story. He's born again from above. That's, what, that's where we get. And, and we believe at that point that Nick got born again. Nicodemus. Over in John chapter 19, look at verse 38. He says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus... But secretly, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. Now, hold on right there. I want to show you something. First and foremost, notice what it says. You've got a fellow by the name of Joseph, and he's a disciple, but he's a secret disciple. Nobody knows. He didn't, nobody knows, right? Why? And it says, because he feared the Jews. Now, let me just say this to you right off the bat. Fear is a very real thing. Fear is a very real thing. We fear a lot of things. For me, I am afraid of heights. There's something that happens to my legs that I can't... There's just something I just can't go... Especially like like in, in Las Vegas, you go on those outside elevators where you can see down. Oh, no. 
I'm on the back holding on with, with whatever I have. I just, that's just me. You go, Ben, they're safe. Not for me. But there's also fear, and there's a lot of people who fear dying. And it's fear of the unknown. I'm not sure what's going to happen on the other side. How am I supposed to know? A lot of people fear public speaking. I'm going to come behind, but fear is a very real thing. This guy, something happened. He was a disciple, but nobody knew it. And so he comes to Pilate, notice, and he says, hey, can I have the body? And he took the, so he came and he took the body of Jesus, verse 39, notice, and Nicodemus, oh, oh, there he is, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. And they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen and spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden tomb in which no one had been laid. So they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. If you go to Israel today, and we are planning a trip for 2024, if you go to Israel, there's the place of the skull, and if you're interested to see the place of the skull, I realize that I have brought a picture from Israel. I have it in my office that you can hit me up after church, but there's a place of the skull, and it's not far to the garden tomb. It's about to the end of the driveway here. It's a, here's our church. About the end of the shopping center by the street is about how far the garden tomb is from this place that Jesus was crucified. Now, let me give you some background on both men. Joseph of Arimathea, interesting fella. His journey with, with Jesus is a bit different. You go, how so? Listen, he is a disciple, a fully devoted follower, if you, will, if you get that, but no one knows it because of fear. The Bible says that he had the fear of the Jews. You could almost say that Joseph suffered from Judeophobia. He was afraid of the Jews. You go, well, who was he? Give me some background. According to Luke 23.50, we learn that Joseph was actually part of the council, or what we call the Sanhedrin. This was the Jewish ruling council. Seventy members, Joseph was part of that. They were religious leaders. Now, these were the ones, listen, who called for Jesus' crucifixion. We need to crucify him. These are the ones who, boom, crucify him. However, we read in verse 51, we see that Joseph was opposed to the council's decision and was, in fact, a secret follower of Jesus. We also learn that Joseph was a very, very wealthy man. We don't know how he got wealthy, but we know that he was a wealthy man. If you're taking note, you might want to jot this down. Most Pharisees or the Sanhedrin were very, very wealthy. Now, I'm not talking, you know, just, uh, hey, I'm not talking a thousandaire. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are thousandaires. I'm talking, I'm talking he was probably a millionaire. He, he was wealthy. He was wealthy. Some of you are hundredaires. I get that. That was Joseph. Nicodemus, you know his story. Nicodemus felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit early on in John, and he came to Jesus by night. He didn't want anybody to know. Can you imagine what that looked like? 
as he as he secretly went by and he, yo yo Jay yo G G hey Jesus hey hey what's up hey uh you know and he starts asking him some questions. Can you imagine if he's having a conversation with Jesus? Sees the light goes on and he's kind of like okay. Or maybe Jesus knew and he took him away by himself. He's like, what's going on, bro? What's going on? Well, what do we know? What do we know? But we learned that Nicodemus was also a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. He was, and he was, he was part of that group that was fastidious of keeping the letter of the law. And often deposed, these were the ones that opposed Jesus throughout his whole ministry. And I bet there was a time before where old Nick probably crossed his hand and, and agreed with the rest of the fair. Yeah, this guy needs to be stopped. Why? He's taking money from our pockets. Do you understand? If we can't extort money from widows and, and, and we can't, you know, he needs to be stopped. You know, this is crazy. What, what is this religious dude going around saving people, claiming to be the son of God? Come on. I bet he did that. I bet he did that. Both Joseph and Nicodemus were members of the Sanhedrin. So now you have both. They're part of that, which was the ruling body of the Jews. Now, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were very much like Paul. Pharisees of the Pharisee, members of the Sanhedrin. Now, here's what I want you to see. Both men, both men had power. And I was sitting there this morning thinking, what kind of power is that? Like, like they had power. I want this done. It's done. You understand that kind of power. No questions asked kind of power. They also had wealth. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it takes. And they also had influence. Influence. Now, for the sake of our study, I want you to think of yourself. Could you imagine, think of the most influential person you know, whoever that might be. It might be for you a sports figure. It might be for you someone else. But think about the most influential person in your life, and you happen to run into them at the grocery store. And you're going down the same aisle, and there, and there's your car, and the, that's, that's, uh, <clears throat> Well, you, you would, what would you say? Uh, and they buy, hi, right? I mean, that's about all that comes up. Hi. They look at you. Hey, how's it going? Oh my gosh, he's talking to me. Right? <laughs> that's these guys. That's these guys. But something's changed. Something's changed in their life. You go, what happened? Listen, they met Jesus for real. You see, they had a wonderful encounter with the Savior. And the change we see was very recognizable. Although they were secret disciples up until now, you're going to see an unbelievable sacrifice. Now, let me stop you right now because I feel like the Lord is telling me this. Everyone, except for one person, when they met Jesus, their life was changed. The only one whose life wasn't changed was a rich young ruler who, the Bible says, after his encounter with Jesus, went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. 
What must I do to be saved? And Jesus has a dialogue with him. He's the only one in Scripture that walked away and nothing was changed. Now, here's our prayer. Our prayer that we get to heaven, we go, who are you? And he goes, I'm the rich young ruler. What happened? I finally came to my senses. (laughs) You see, sometimes, listen to me, sometimes God has to take away everything to get your attention. And I wonder if the rich young ruler lost everything at one point and finally went, you know what? I didn't realize I had possessions, but they had possessed me. I, couldn't, I, was, I, was in, I was in bondage with my possessions. And sometimes God in his love goes, no, 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 I'm going to take away. I'm going to watch this. And he strips you of everything that is hindering you from having a closer walk with him. I wonder. You go, well, Ben, the Bible doesn't say. No, the Bible doesn't say. I don't know. I'm praying. Why? Because our heart at Calvary is we want to see everyone saved. Our heart at Calvary is we want to see all of Lubbock walking in Christ, walking victoriously, praying, having that life far in abundance. The enemy is so adamant to attack us, guys, to where our walk looks like this. We're doing good. Now we're down in the dumps. Now we're doing good. Now we're down in the dumps. Now we're doing good. And, and that's how the enemy comes in. And so we want a life. We want people to go, man, listen, I'm just walking straight, and I get it. I get it. So many of my thoughts fill my mind of, of here and now, not of eternity. And when I feel of the here and now, that's when I get depressed. That's when I get down. That's, oh, I wish my life was better. Instead of going, no, 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 wow, okay, what I'm going through, I get it, it's tough, but (laughs) are we not truly blessed? Are we really not truly blessed? These people, these two men, their lives change. You're going to see an unbelievable sacrifice. So, with that as our intro, jump over to Matthew 27. We're going to pick it up and finish the chapter today. Matthew 27, looking at verse 57, it says this. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself also became a disciple of Jesus. Now, let me stop right there. Aren't you glad I love Matthew Matthew doesn't say that I was a secret disciple he just says I was a disciple John's like no he was secret man John just John John just calls everything out Matthew's just like he's a disciple I love that I love that I love the way Matthew writes He's kind of giving us snapshots. He says this, This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Jesus, I mean, Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb, which he had hewn out of rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Now, your attention, please. Matthew gives us snapshots. That's all. Click, move on, click, move on. So we have to do some work, okay? After 3 o'clock, here's the developing scenario. Jesus had died, and so what's the aftermath? Well, we know that the Passover's coming. It's happening at 6 o'clock, so what do we see Joseph? Joseph does, you ready? Jot this down. The unthinkable. What? He does the unthinkable. Why? Part of the Sanhedrin were the ones going... 
crucify him, guilty, get him out of here. We don't care, he's a criminal, whatever. And, and, and Joseph goes, oh, 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 no. Um, Mr. Pilate, sir? Sir, Mr. Pilate, listen, can I, can I get the body of Jesus down? Can I get the body? And you go, Ben, that's a good deed. Why is that unthinkable? Here's why. You ready? Most, if not all, were convinced that Jesus was an imposter. He was a criminal. He was a blasphemer. So for one of the council to get the body down is not a good thing. You're doing what? I'm I, I'm I'm going to go ask for the for Jesus. I mean I don't I don't Passover's coming and no 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 we don't do, you know what that's going to look like? Yeah, but um, hmm. Mm. I, I want to get the body down. Now, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the chief priests, they didn't read the Bible. They didn't know that Joseph was a disciple. We do, but they didn't. You know what they saw? They saw a traitor. They saw someone who, whoa, 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 you're not running in the same lane as us. Are you kidding me? I don't see you, Mr. Joseph, wanting to get the other bodies down. What gives? What's going on? We might need to call a secret council meeting and find out what's going on with these guys. Now, the Bible says that Pilate says, sure, yeah, get it down. And, and you, do you remember that Pilate pronounced Jesus not guilty? And yet, there's Jesus on the cross. And millions are coming in for the Passover. And so in an effort to keep the peace, he was like, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. You see, Pilate didn't want any, he, he didn't want any backlash Pilate didn't want to go back to Rome and, and, and scrub toilets. You understand? He, he knew that that might be coming. He was already on thin ice. And he didn't want somebody to look at him and say, you're fired. You know, he's just like, okay, um, yeah, whatever. I just, please, please, just, I wash my hands. Go, go, get the body. Get it down. Get it down before. The Jewish people don't want their body up. We don't want it done. Think about this for just a moment. You and I read the Bible, and we sort of read it through, but think about getting Jesus down from the cross. What an ordeal that might have been. Now, the Bible doesn't say if Joseph had help, but he should have, and he, he probably did. Why? Okay, so there's Jesus on the cross. He's about two feet from the ground, so about right here. There he is. And there's traffic back and forth as they're making their way. Okay, he's dead. He's got ropes tied on his arms and nails on his wrist and one in his feet. So here comes, I gotta take the body down. I gotta take the body down. Okay? Um, I better take a ladder. So he comes and he takes a ladder. You understand. Now, in the Jewish mindset, guys, no matter who it was, you didn't just take the body down. You understand that. It was with every careful, everything he did was very carefully. Now, he had to get a, he had to get a hammer or something to take out the nail. And how can you imagine, where are you going to put that to get this out? 
And so he climbs up and he says, okay, okay, what do I do? Um, okay, so they're tied there. Should I take the feet nail out first? What's, and so, and so somehow, without hurting my Lord, he pries the nail out. So now his hand is just sitting there like this, one on the cross. You understand the process that it would take. What do you do next? Well, you, let's take this now. Go over, you take very carefully, and he's praying all the way through because that's what they would do with the Jewish body. They would take, and so all of a sudden, boom, both hands. Now, all of his weight, all of his weight, and you know a dead body's different. All of his weight are now they're being held on by ropes. Okay, so you take one rope off, and you sort of you sort of hold them. How are you going to take the other rope? So then maybe a friend would take that and then so now you're sitting there and now you have this bloodied beaten Jesus resting on you. And you say could you could you take his could you take his nail off of his feet and then you help me help me. And again, it's no easy task. You're looking at about 160 pounds dead weight. Bloody, broken. You see, we read it and we go, oh, well, yeah, he asked for the body. But the ordeal of taking down the body of the Lord blows us away. It blows us away. And not only that, but now he had to carefully take him to the tomb. You see, sometimes we think it's like, pop, pop. No, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. Would you do that? You see, you're a disciple of Jesus. How would you take the body of your Lord down? The other day, on our Thanksgiving, Adam stood up there and um, he's an emotional guy. He cried. He cried. I kind of think Joseph of Arimathea was a lot like Adam, and as he was taking down, he's just bawling. He's just bawling. And you know, one of the things that we don't remember is that the blood of Jesus would surely soak and saturate Joseph of Arimathea and whoever else is with him. It would, he, would, he was on him. You go, Okay. You see, that meant no that meant no Passover celebration, right? Because now he was defiled. He, he so now we're going to come back to the burial in just a moment. But John nineteen tells us that there were two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. But I want you to see something, okay? Point number one I want to make is you realize that both both Joseph and Nicodemus were rich. They were rich. They were wealthy. Okay, They were influential. They were powerful. And they were well known in the community. You understand who these guys are. Now, there are three things I want to bring out with these men. And I'm going to put it up there so you can write it down because I was told that you got to write that down. But we're going to see religion, 
we're going to see relationships, and we're going to see riches. You got that? And we're going to leave that up there for you now. Okay? So, stay with me. The moment Joseph and Nicodemus came and brought the linen, and we're going to do that with the body, guess what happened? That moment changed their whole life. Changed their whole life. How so? Do you realize that right now they are being excommunicated from being a Pharisee and they're being ousted from being in the Sanhedrin? They are no longer welcome as part of that. You go, wait, Ben, they were just doing a good deed. Exactly, they were doing a good deed. But right now they would be kicked out of their religion as well as lose important connections within the religious community. You see, they would not, at this point, be allowed to participate in the synagogue, and they would actually be outcasted, if you will, from the, from the religious Jewish community. Right here. Right here. You know they had secret spies. Oh, hey, that's Nick. Yeah, and that's Joseph. Let's go. They were there. They were getting the body down. Can you believe that? That traitor. I can't believe this. You see, right here, they stand to lose everything. Everything. No longer would they be, oh, you're part of the Sanhedrin. Oh, you're a Pharisee. Wow, you must know the Bible. No longer that anymore. They're walking into their local grocery store, if you will, and nobody, wow, they're snickering at him now. Well, that's, that's Nicodemus. <laughs> yeah, that's Joseph. <laughs> Riches. Or religion. Well, what about relationships? Well, because of Joseph and Nicodemus did what they did, you know that they have lost many friends. Many of them would not even speak to them anymore. Can you imagine some of their very, very, very closest and bestest friends would have nothing to do with them anymore? You see, it was bad enough that Joseph was already had fear of the Jews, but now he stepped up, and this is, woo, watch out. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. Family members would not entertain having them in their home or speaking to them anymore. This is relationships. Can you imagine, sweetie? I'm going to go get the body of Jesus. No, you're not. Do you realize what that means to our family? Our kids, they're in good positions to grow and have and be influential. You understand? He goes, but I have to. Why do you have to? Because I'm a disciple. Can you imagine Nicodemus' wife? What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I, I had a conversation with Jesus, and he told me that I have to be born again, and, and this is how I need to get to heaven, and this is what I need to do. No, you're not going to do that. It's bad enough that my, that, that my parents don't like you, Nick. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. You understand, right? But here's another one. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what social media looked like back in this day, if it had social media. Can you imagine how many people would be posting on social media websites saying, oh, look at Nicodemus. 
He was at the tomb. He was bringing spices. He was bringing linen cloths. Oh, did you see Joseph at Arimathea? Comment, 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 comment. And I know none of you read comments, and that's okay. But the comment would be comment, comment. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my cousin, and I don't even talk to him anymore. I can't believe he did it. You guys know. You guys know. Thank God they didn't have social media back then. But think about it, what it would be like today. And then riches. Think about riches. They were both rich men. But becoming a disciple, you ready? Would cost them everything. By morning, by the next morning, they would wake up to zero dollars in their account. You go, no. The government wouldn't do that. You understand that at this point, this decision, they would never afford a lifestyle they once they had that they once had. Can you imagine, sweetie? How come we don't go out to eat anymore? As a matter of fact, I looked outside the Bible, and there's a book called The Gospel of Nicodemus, and it's apocryphal works, but here's what it indicated. It indicated that Nicodemus immediately lost his position as a Pharisee. He was kicked off the Sanhedrin. He was eventually banished from Jerusalem by the hostile Jews. Further, it said that Nicodemus, his remains were said to be found in a common grave, along with those of Gamaliel, and Stephen. Wow. Wow. Joseph lost everything. Joseph is the same way. Now, let's bring it home for some application. What about us? What about us? Has Jesus made that kind of impact in our lives? What are you willing to sacrifice for the case of Christ? You go, religion? Yeah, can you imagine? There are many of us in this room that grew up religious but never had a relationship with God. Do you realize that I did not tell my father that I was a born-again believer for fear that I would be kicked out of the family? Oh, no. What did you do? I would get up and I would go to church. My best friend's dad was a pastor. I'd go over there. Thinking my dad was none the wiser. Hello. We know he, we knew, yeah, Sunday morning, I'm going, teenager going to church. Right. Where are you going? But I was afraid. I was afraid. You realize that your relationships, how many friends have you really lost? You see, when I got saved, there were a lot of people who stopped inviting me to their parties, to their social events. We lose friends. Now, some of them you need to lose. But what about those that you really, really, really care about? You see, what's it worth to you? Well, let me ask you this. 
this is not how my Jesus is, but if tomorrow morning, because you were a believer, because you claim to be a Christian, because you claim to be a disciple, you looked at your bank account, and, and the government or some entity said, you have zero dollars because of that. And they'll put your money back in if you renounce Christ. What? Then that would never happen. Will it? Could it? Are we not headed that way? Well, you don't understand. I'm not a, I'm not a hundredaire, Ben. I'm not a thousandaire. I'm a millionaire. I know what I'll do. I'll just tell the government I'll renounce him and get my money back. I want to see proof. I want to see proof. Guys, the Lord is not going to take your money away. But we need to look in it deep in our heart. What kind of impact has Christ really made in your life? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice? What's holding you? What's hindering you from that closer, deeper walk with him? And we go, oh, well, it's not religion. It's not a big deal. I grew up as a Christian. But for some of us, it could be relationships. Because at family reunions, they call you a Jesus freak, or, or they think you're weird, or, oh, they don't want to, oh, there he is. These guys, these two men, Today, they lost everything for the cause of Christ. And some of us in this room, we go, <sighs> you go, well, Ben, what's your point? Here it is. My point is I want to strengthen you in these last days to make your, firm, your foundation firm in Christ. And that nothing on this earth is worth Losing Jesus. Nothing. All the money in the world, your job, is not worth anything. You see, here's the thing. A hundred years from now, nobody's going to care what you did for a living. But the only thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now is what you did with Jesus today. Don't sacrifice your walk with God. Don't sacrifice your relationship with God for, a, for 25 cents more an hour, a dollar more an hour, or a promotion that's going to take you away from the body of Christ. Don't do it. Because if you're not moving forward with Christ, you're moving backward. Let's go on. In verse 61 of the same text, it says, And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite of the tomb. And I love this. Why? The women weren't guarding the tomb, but they were watching. And you go, why? Here's what I want you to see. If both Jesus and this woman God used 
in keeping the body of Jesus preserved, if you will. You see, if Joseph hadn't intervened, then guess what would have happened? The Romans would have pulled him down, let him fall to the ground. They didn't care. And then they would have taken him and dumped him in just the rest of the grave with the flies and everything else. That's what they would have done. They didn't care. The Romans didn't care, but these women were guarding the tomb, if you will, to make sure that wouldn't happen. No, 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 no. Put him, put him there. We're going we're gonna to wait. Mary Magdalene was saved and impacted by Jesus. And Mary, they're sitting there. But I'm telling you, they had faith. Why? Well, I'll show you here in a minute. Let's go on. It says, the burial, the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. Now, do you think Nicodemus and Joseph were there? Nay, nay, nay. They didn't get the text. They didn't get the call. But that's okay, because they knew. They knew. And so they go to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember, while he was still alive, that the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Right here, these dudes right here, they're tripping. You understand that? And you go, why? Well, here's for a moment. Step back for a second and think. These were actual people who went to Pilate and said, Jesus is a deceiver. They know better now, don't they? Today, they're not going, my prayer is that they came to see the light. And that's what I love about God. You see, he won't let you just go and go and go. He'll keep coming after you and coming after you and coming after you and coming after you. He wants you saved. No, no, I ain't going to be saved. No, no. He wants you. He wants you. But right now, let's say that these chief priests, the very ones who went to Pilate and said, this man's a deceiver, let's say they didn't come to Jesus. They know who he is now. They know who he is now. Wait, what? He, he was telling the truth? I was deceived by man? What? I wonder how many of them in Hades right now waiting for the judgment are going, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's what I want you to see in this verse. The disciples, come on somebody, had forgotten that Jesus promised to rise from the dead on the third day. But his enemies remembered. So they go to the, they go, hey, hey, he said he was going to rise. They believed. They believed so much that they're going, no, 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 let's secure the tomb. Because even if he poses a fake resurrection, we want to make sure. So what does Pilate say? Look at verse 65. Pilate said, well, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Guys, they put a seal on it, and you know what it was if you, met, if you broke that seal? Instant death. So now we got a guard, and now we got a seal. 
Okay. What's, hey, what, can you imagine? What's my orders? Your orders are to guard that tomb. Listen, I've been in Roman duty for 20 years. Never have I seen anyone raised from the dead. And you want me to guard this tomb for three days? Don't you fall asleep. Who would have signed up for that detail? There you are, watching the tomb. What are we doing? If he's a deceiver, what are we doing? What are we... But you understand that if something happened, that the guards would be killed as a penalty. They had to stay up. They had to watch. Even if it didn't happen, this is what they did. Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine when all of a sudden you're sitting there and you see an earthquake and the stone starts to move and there's a bright light and you're like, oh, I'm dead. Wow. Wow. The penalty, church, for not securing the body or falling asleep for others to steal would be certain death. Certain death. They not Rome doesn't play. You understand that. And so there it is. There it is. Imagine with me for just a moment if you were that guard assigned to that detail. Right? Toothpicks. I'm staying awake. I'm staying awake. I'm staying awake. Now, that's where we leave Jesus. He's in the tomb. He's been embalmed, if you will. Now, you understand how the Jewish Jewish death work, right? They're going to put him in the tomb. It was close by. They're going to wrap him. They're going to put all the spices on him. They're going to put the cloths on him. And they're going to seal, seal the tomb for about one year. By one year, he's going to decompose. They'll open it up. They'll take the bones out. They'll put it in a box, and they'll bury it. And they'll say, Jesus of Nazareth. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. And the hopes and dreams of Israel are going to go inside that tomb unless Jesus rises from the dead. So, right now, we're watching it. Dun, dun. And we're, it's suspenseful because we're... <gasps> now, you and I know the story. It's like we've already seen the movie, so we're like, oh, we know what happens. But the people here, they don't know what happens. Every hour, Francis, every hour they're going, what time, what time is it? Okay, he's, he's got it. He said three days. He said three days. Now, I'm not sure if they believed because the disciples would have been around the tomb come Saturday night. Let's just hang out. What do you do? But they were afraid, weren't they? They were afraid because if they caught their, they caught their leader, and if, if anybody, we'll be next on the cross. So let's just hide here. And the women are out there. Way to go, women. Good job. Now, that's where we leave Jesus. Now, let's, let's close. Let's close with this. I want to bring some point. We talked about Joseph and, and Nicodemus. We've spent time with Jesus. In the next two weeks, we're going to dig deeper into our walks with Jesus. And it ends, um, so, so today, let's end with you and me, okay? 
Let's end with you and me. Let's talk application. Maybe you're here this morning and you can strongly relate to Joseph of Arimathea. You go, what do you mean? Fear has gripped your heart and is keeping you from all that God has for you. <sighs> oh. Maybe fear has kept you from the real and true relationship with him. Fear. Your fear of, of relationships. Your fear of religion. Your fear of what your parents might say. Your, your, all of that. Maybe some of you today, fear has kept you from being a true disciple. A true disciple. You see, you prayed a prayer one day and you, and you call yourself a Christian, but you're, you're having trouble making that step to being a disciple. You go, what is a disciple? A fully devoted follower of Christ. One that's not going to give up anymore. One that's saying, listen, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. That's where I'm going. You go, well, that, that, does my lifestyle change? Your lifestyle should change when you meet Christ. Everything in your life should be filtered through Christ. What do I want to do? This is how it's going to be. And everything in your life, there should be peace knowing that God is governing your life. God is governing your life. Everything. God, you have me. God, I trust you. God, I love you. Where do you want me to go next? What do you want me to do? So fear. Fear of the unknown. Oh God, I went to Calvary Chapel and I pastor preached the message. Next thing you know, I'm a missionary in a country I don't want to be. That's not what God does. <laughs> I wasn't afraid anymore and now I'm out here. Ah! No, God's not going to make you go be a missionary, but he is going to ask you to be a missionary in your neighborhood. He's going to ask you to, to be the body of Christ, to reach out to those that are far from him to invite your unsaved neighbors over to your house. Yeah, good idea. And then, and then we'll invite you, Pastor, and you pounce on him. No. You be a good witness. You share, and they'll ask you, wow, why do you, why do, you do that? Why is your heart like, why is it like this? Okay. And you get to share. Just be who you are. And it's really simple. You ready? I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's real simple. I once was lost, now I'm found. Hallelujah. You know what they say evangelism is? You ready? I'm going to give you the key to evangelism because you all want to be evangelists. You ready? It's one beggar showing another beggar where to buy bread. That's easy. There's one beggar showing another beggar where to get bread. He's right here. That's evangelism. That's evangelism. So maybe you're here and you're going, Pastor, i just like Joseph, man. I've, there's a lot of fear in my life. But you were saying some things, okay, okay, I'm ready to go. Or maybe this morning you're like Nicodemus. And you'll take a step back and you'll look at your life and you'll see circumstances, you'll see concerns, you'll see problems, you'll see work. And all these things are keeping you buried and keeping you walking at a distance with Jesus. Here's what I love about God. You ready? Both of these men actually bloomed for greater things. Right now, probably, I'm guessing, the two most happiest guys in heaven 
are Joseph and Nicodemus, probably and Simon. Oh, thank you that you asked me to carry the cross. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a privilege, what an honor. And Joseph and Nicodemus go, I didn't know what I was doing then, but you don't understand. And they're, and they're excited. After Jesus resurrected, guess what happened? The fear was gone, clarity was given, and perspective was gained. So let me say this. No matter where you are today, remember, you're only one decision away from coming back to Jesus. One decision from going, I'm not going to be an attender anymore. I'm going to be a disciple. That's all you got to do. Amen? Father, we thank you today. Lord, your word. Wow. It's so convicting, so beautifully convicting, Lord. And how, and how, Lord, Joseph gave up everything, his riches, his relationships and religion. How Nicodemus, Lord, being born again, saw the light and was willing to give up all the earthly things in light of how good you are. Lord, help us to see that none of these things on earth really matter compared to you. And that we stand here at the threshold of your heart and asking you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, when our bank account is more important than you. Forgive us when a relationship is more important than you. Forgive us that our upbringing is more important than you in the way of religion. Lord, it's a beautiful thing to honor our parents and honor our heritage, but a relationship with you is what we really need. Someone to talk to every day, someone to walk with, someone to cry with, someone to ask guidance for, someone to trust in. And Lord, when we take our final breath, Lord, we're not fighting it. And we're simply smiling, knowing that we're going on to a greater place with the God that we love. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, you know what, Ben, will you just pray for me? I'm not asking you right now to be a believer. I think you are a believer. But maybe you're saying, I, I, I just need some prayer. I just need some prayer. Boy, that message hit home. Um, would you just pray for me? If that's you... Nobody looking around, every, every head bowed. Would you just lift your hand? I just want to pray. I'm going to pray specifically. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone? God bless you. I see you. Yes, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us, Lord, search our hearts. God, I pray for the hands that were raised that they would take that step in discipleship, that they would walk closer to you, that they, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would, would commit their lives to you 100% it's all yours we love you Jesus amen amen I'm going to have Talia close us out but may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace God bless you guys love you see you on Wednesday we hope you enjoyed today's message we'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.